witness the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead. Mm-hmm. And we give you all praise and glory that you did vindicate him mm-hmm. and declare him to be your son. Yes. And we thank you for all the blessings that we have because he died and rose yes. again. Amen. Lord, I ask that you help me to have the right words to say. Help me to speak clearly about Christ and all his glory, everything he's accomplished for us. Yes. And Lord, I pray that we will hear and believe, understand with our heart, mm-hmm. and we'll be obedient to you. Yes. And we're just so grateful for all that you've done for us. And I ask you to be with us this morning and your Holy Spirit to work on us and in us. Uh-huh. In the name of Jesus Christ, our, our Savior, who rose from the dead, mm-hmm. we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to everyone here at Word of Truth Fellowship and everyone who's joining us on live stream. And I want to say hello to my father who is watching us. Mm-hmm. He said he'd get up early in Colorado, which is 5 o'clock. Yeah. And I want to turn to Acts chapter 1. Mm-hmm. And my text is Acts chapter 1, 1 through 3. And my title of the sermon is Infallible Proofs of the Resurrection. Mm-hmm. Luke wrote his gospel bearing his name, Luke, and he wrote a second companion book, the book of the Acts. And here's how he starts in Acts 1, verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also, he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I'd like to present the infallible proofs mm-hmm. of the resurrection. Amen. Now, it would be good to re- recount some of the things that have led up to the need for the resurrection. Mm-hmm. As you know, all the, Jesus claimed that all the prophets proclaimed that he should be that he should suffer and die and raise again. And what we're remembering today is that God himself came in the flesh, God incarnate. the, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father. And he sent his son into the world. He was born of a virgin. He prepared a body for him. Now, this is not a man becoming God. This is God becoming man. He lived a sinless life. But in spite of that, sinful men hated him and rejected him. The people he came to, uh, he came to serve and to bring them to the Father. They rejected him. The very people who should have known. So he predicted his own death and burial and resurrection Five or six times, at least. Predicted by the prophets, predicted by Jesus. But when it came time for the end of his life on this earth, his earthly life, well, he met with his disciples in the upper room and had a last supper with them. And he taught them many things. They went out into the Mount of Olives. And as they were leaving, he predicted that Peter would deny him. He also said, after I rise again, he would go before them into Galilee. This is right right that evening. They remembered it later, I'm sure. But he was betrayed by 
Judas Iscariot, one of his closest, the, the 12 men who followed him, the trusted treasurer, betrayed him with a kiss in an act of friendship. He was arrested at, in the middle of the night after he prayed three times for an hour each. His disciples fell asleep, and he prayed that, to the Father that he would let this cup pass from him, the fact that he would have to suffer the separation from God and God's wrath on our behalf and to take our sins upon himself and, and be forsaken by his Father. He was willing to do it. Amen. Praise God. But he was arrested. He was taken to the accounts. The, the four gospel accounts uh, go into great detail. There is no, no inconsistencies between them. Four separate eyewitness accounts, each telling their own story, but they meshed together so perfectly that no man could have written these by themselves. He was taken to, there was six illegal trials in the middle of the night. Three before the Sanhedrin and the high priests, and then before Pilate, and then again before Herod, and then at Pilate again. But he predicted that Peter would betray him, and he did. That he would deny, that Peter would deny him. Three times Peter denied him. Eventually, Jesus was taken before Pilate, and uh, many times declared innocent by all the all the people that involved said he was innocent. And but yet they demanded that he be killed, and that the murderer be let free. And I could see in that, if I put myself in the place of Barabbas, the one who rightfully deserved to die and then the innocent man mm -hmm. taking his place. And then the murderer and the guilty one given a complete yeah. forgiveness of all yeah. sins and trespasses, not having to suffer the penalty of it. Mm -hmm. That's what we see in Barabbas and Jesus. Jesus is the righteous man, innocent, yeah. who took the place of the guilty, Amen. which is me and you. Jesus was scourged. Mm -hmm. Then he was taken out and crucified excruciating pain. And most people that you hear talk about that will talk about all the physical elements of this, which was horrendous. Yeah. I can't imagine a worse way to die. Not having eaten or drunk anything since the evening before, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was already sweating blood. Yeah, he hadn't had anything to eat or drink. He was scourged. And the, the Roman soldiers were experts at beating with a whip. And then he had to carry that cross on his back. And it wasn't a smooth piece of wood. It had probably splinters digging into his back. By the time they finished whipping him, they probably ripped all the skin off his body. When he was on the cross, in Psalms records, that he, he said, I can see all my bones. Yeah. And he, he, on the cross, he thirsted. Think of all the torture that he went through. But that's not the worst of it. I can't imagine going through such pain. It would kill anybody. But he himself said that he had power to lay down his life and take it up again. That's right. No one could have killed him. That's right. So it wasn't the cross that killed him. He died on the cross. He gave up his life. But the, the suffering on the cross 
was the taking all of our sin and suffering the wrath of God on our behalf. That was the, the suffering, much worse than any physical torment. That his soul was in torment. So they took him down. He died on there in just six hours. And you think, six hours, there's accounts of people being on a cross for maybe a week, just hanging up there, dehydrated and not being able to breathe and in such pain. He died in six hours. The sky went black at noonday because God had turned his back on him. And they stabbed him in the side. But that didn't kill him. He was already dead. The Roman centurion declared, certainly, this was the Son of God. So they took him down, and Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus came and took the body, and they wrapped it in new new, uh, linen cloths. And with 100 pounds of spices, they put it in a new tomb that had never been used, rolled a stone in front of the door. Now the women you got to realize, this is at Passover. So a full moon comes up that night, and the women sat over and watched the sepulcher. The next day, the Jews went to, the, uh, went to Pilate and said, well, we remember he, he claimed he would rise again, and if, if we don't do something to guard the tomb, they're going to claim that he, they stole the body, which, by the way, is one of the things that I'm going to address here. So they put a guard, and they sealed it. So imagine a, a crime scene with the police tape sealed and a guard posted. They fled for their lives. And the angel rolled away the tomb, rolled away the stone, revealing that it was empty inside. And there is a record of many appearances of Jesus to First to the Mary Magdalene, and then to the women, and and that's all recorded in First Corinthians 15. And I want to tell you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the central doctrine of our faith. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then he's not God's son. Amen. Romans 1:4 says that, that, that how God proved that Jesus was His son. Jesus lived a life of complete obedience to the Father. He claimed to be God's son. If he wasn't, God would have just let him in the tomb to rot. Praise God. David prophesied that he would, his soul would not see corruption, Psalm 16. And that's, a, in fact, when Peter preached his sermon on the day of Pentecost. That was the, one of the texts he chose. Now, you notice that the prophets many times would speak in the first person as if it was happening to them. But we know it wasn't happening to them. It was, they were speaking of things in the future concerning Christ. Let me read to you from Psalm 16. One of the proofs, infallible proofs of the resurrection is the fulfillment of prophecy. Here's, here's a text that was written a thousand years before Christ. And this is the prophet David. Psalm 16, verse 8 through 11. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad 
and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption, that will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Amen. David was not speaking of himself. No. Peter points out in Acts chapter 2, mm-hmm. Peter's inaugural sermon. Start in Acts chapter 2, verse 27. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Mm-hmm. Peter's quoting that passage from Psalm 16 by David. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, he, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted... And having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That was his text on the day of Pentecost, that Jesus would be raised from the dead. Paul preached that in Acts chapter 13. Same text. Let me take you to, uh, this is an amazing one, Hosea chapter 6. We know that the prophets would often speak in the first person as if something was happening to them. But they were speaking of Christ. Now Hosea is speaking as if he's speaking for the nation of Israel. But consider Christ in this. Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Come and let us return to the Lord. For he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. Mm -hmm. After two days, he will revive us. And the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. That's speaking of Jesus Christ. Then we we shall know. This is what Paul said. He wanted to know the power of the resurrection. Then we shall know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. In this, we see the the Lord is the one who had torn him. prophets. Zacharias said it was the uh, the sword of the Lord that had smitten him. Yeah, that's right. Isaiah 53, prophet Isaiah says it was the Lord who had put him to grief. The Lord had torn him. The Lord will bind him up. 
After three days, he will revive. Speaking of Christ. That's right. In the in the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Mm-hmm. Jesus was raised up from the dead. Amen. He liveth ever to make intercession for us. Mm-hmm. He has the power of an endless life. Yes. He's made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek based on the fact that he raised from the dead. Yes. If he didn't raise from the dead, he couldn't have been seen by the witnesses. He couldn't have ascended into the heavens. He couldn't have been exalted back to the glory he had with his Father. He could not have received all power in heaven and earth. He could not be right now making intercession for us. This is also a prediction of the coming of the Holy Spirit. uh, Hosea chapter 6 verse 3. Then shall we know if we follow under the... To know the Lord, His going forth is prepared as the morning. Imagine the sun coming up. Jesus is the Son of Righteousness, risen with healing in His wings from Malachi. Mm -hmm. He shall come unto us like the rain. The Holy Spirit is pictured as rain coming down. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit did come on the day of Pentecost, just like Jesus predicted the promise of the Father. We see the resurrection of Christ typified in Isaac. Now we have the father, Abraham, getting ready to sacrifice his only begotten son. And he was going to do it. He believed, I say uh, Hebrews eleven nineteen. he believed that he was going to receive him back from the dead. Well, thankfully, God didn't require him to kill his only begotten son, the son of the promise. But now we have the Father yeah. in heaven who, did, who didn't stop from right. having his son sacrificed yeah. on our behalf. Right. And he was raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. The, Isaac is a figure of Christ who was raised from the dead. We have Jonah who spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. Mm-hmm. Jesus pointed to that. In Matthew 12, they asked him for a sign. What sign will you give? He said, I'll give you the sign of the prophet Jonah, and they didn't understand it. We have the witness of the prophet Job. He said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. We have many prophecies of Jesus that he claimed he would raise from the dead. This is the central fact of all of history the central figure of all of history. At this point, the invisible things of, of the heavens were forever changed. Mm-hmm. You can mark this point. That's right. It's like when, you, when I go to visit my dad in the mountains of Colorado. You come up over the mountain, it's the Continental Divide. Mm-hmm. And it rains on, it might be just here at the top of the mountain, and one raindrop goes this way, and it goes to the Pacific Ocean, and this drop goes that way to the Atlantic Ocean. It's the Continental Divide. This is the Continental Divide of all of Scripture. When Jesus was crucified, died on the cross, was buried, and raised from the dead, and what you do with that determines your future. If you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
but if you reject them, that's a totally different story. Then we want to address the infallible proofs of the resurrection. Well, I would point to you that that empty tomb, how do you explain that? Well, you can just deny and say it didn't happen. Well, I'm not there. I didn't witness it myself. But we have trustworthy witnesses who did see it, and they were there. We'll address them later. But no one has ever produced the body. Let's just say for a fact that grave robbers came and took the body. Then we have the account of Peter and John. They ran to the tomb, and John looked in and saw the grave clothes, and he believed at that point. He saw the linen cloths mm -hmm. and the napkin folded by itself. Right. Now, they wrapped that body in the linen clothes mm -hmm. and with 100 pounds of spices. If you're a grave robber, why would you leave the grave clothes behind yeah. and take a naked body and That's take right. all the trouble of unwrapping it? Yeah. We have Lazarus, the account when Jesus healed Lazarus from the dead. Uh -huh. He was wrapped up in the grave clothes, and it, he had to be loosed. That's right. In John, in John chapter 11, he had to be loosed from the grave. Why would you take a naked body and, and then take the time to fold up? That's, that's a preposterous story. Right. When did you do it? I mean, the women were watching the tomb all that first night. There were guards at the tomb with the official seal. Mm -hmm. They didn't leave till the angel came and sat on the stone and terrified them, and they left. Mm -hmm. When did they get a chance to do that? Of course, it would have to be after that, but the, at that point, the angel rolled away the stone. Yeah. That's a preposterous story that someone stole the body. Okay, well, maybe it was his disciples who stole the body. Who would go to the trouble of making up a false story, stealing a body, and then telling it's true and then being tortured to death. All of the disciples, all of the apostles told the same story. Mm -hmm. And yet, they died believing that. Mm -hmm. There's a false prophet in recent history, Joseph Smith Jr., mm -hmm. who claimed to have seen some golden place. An angel told him about another Jesus and another gospel. Yeah. But he claimed to have these golden plates. Mm -hmm. And in the front of every one of his books that he's concocted. There's the tale of the three witnesses. I didn't know if you know that all three of those witnesses had recanted and Oliver Cowdery had written like an 80-page booklet stating that what he said was false. But yet the apostles of the Lamb, Jesus' 12 apostles, they never recanted. You can study and see what happened to those apostles. They were tortured to death never denying the fact that Jesus raised from the dead. They did not steal a body. Amen. If the Romans did it, or the Jews did it, why didn't they produce the body? Mm -hmm. Now we have just seven weeks later, Peter's preaching publicly in Jerusalem, in the temple, yeah. in front of the high priest, mm -hmm. claiming that Jesus is raised from the dead. It would be an easy thing. Oh, we stole the body and here's the proof. Mm -hmm. Why didn't they do that? Because it didn't happen. The empty grave is a fact that you have to answer. Well, there's a claim that 
maybe someone else died on that cross. There's a major religion today that claims that Jesus never died on the cross, that he was just ascended into heaven, and that Judas Iscariot took his place on the cross. That's blasphemous, by the way, but we have eyewitness accounts of his... Uh, of his uh, crucifixion, his burial, mm -hmm. and resurrection. I'm going to go with the eyewitnesses. Amen. There's a claim that on the tomb, on the cross, Jesus just swooned. Mm -hmm. So they put him in this cold tomb, and he was there, and he revived. Let's, let's look at that. Maybe that's that what happened. And someone took the body and took the stone and rolled it away. Now we have the count. That same day he raised from the dead... He walked seven miles. Now, imagine his feet had just been pierced with nails. Mm -hmm. yeah, your feet are now have been crushed, mm -hmm. and your feet are in total pain, and you didn't die, you just swooned. And now you're going to expect me to believe he walked seven miles to Emmaus with claiming he'd raised from the dead when he hadn't. Mm -hmm. That would make Jesus a liar and a false prophet. Right. Why would I believe anything he said? People say he's a great teacher. He's an example of service, and he did great miracles. Why would I believe that if, if I can't believe the fact that he claimed he rose from the dead, and he did? Why would I believe anything else? Why don't we just throw this book away? I believe the story is true. Amen. have many witnesses that never recanted. Yes. If Jesus only resuscitated but did not die and resurrect then Jesus is an imposter yeah. and a fraud. Mm -hmm. All of Christianity should crumble if it is based on this mm -hmm. fiction. But I tell you, it's true. Amen. I don't have enough time to preach. I'll have to preach all day. We have witnesses mm -hmm. who appeared in 1 Corinthians 15. You can read of all the witnesses there was an account of one time 500 people saw him all at the same time. Yeah. Was that just mass hysteria? Did they, did they hallucinate? Did they have visions? If it was just a vision, why did the visions happen just for a period of time and then all of a sudden they stopped? You can't explain this as a hypnotism or psychosis or mass hallucination, based on the eyewitnesses' accounts, you cannot... Now, you'll either have to agree with the eyewitness accounts or make up whatever you want. Did Mary Magdalene just hallucinate? Would hallucinations convince the Apostle Paul, who was on his way to destroy Christians and persecute them and throw them into jail and kill them? And then he had an encounter with the risen Christ. Christ himself appeared to the Apostle yes, Paul. Yes. Did he hallucinate? Why would he go through all the beatings and the sufferings? Why would he be stoned many times? Mm -hmm. Why would he work all the time so he could preach all the time and not be dependent on anyone else? Mm -hmm. Was this just a legend? How did a legend happen in just three days? Legends take decades and centuries and millennia before you have a legend that happens. Now, how did a legend happen in three days? Just a question for you. There are 
people have claimed that, well, these accounts of the resurrection are just added to the scripture. Like the last 12 verses of Mark are just added. So I'd like you to prove that, please. And if you would allow me at a later time to give proof that the uh, alleged ancient manuscripts that leave the accounts of the resurrection out are uh, less than 200 years old. I would claim that uh, the uh, Sinaiticus Greek manuscript, which is so revered and worshipped by all of uh, modern theologians, it's a relatively recent forgery. Proven, and I'll show you that if you'd like. Prove to me that the account of the resurrection in Mark chapter 16 shouldn't be there. That was left out. No. Thomas Jefferson had a Bible. He didn't believe in the resurrection. Yeah. In fact, he took a pen knife and cut out parts that he didn't like. Yeah. Is that what you're going to do with the scripture too? I mean, the, the scripture stands or falls as a whole. Amen. You can't cut out bits and pieces of it. That's right. If the resurrection didn't happen, then your faith, my faith, your faith is in vain. Mm-hmm. We have the empty grave. We have the eyewitnesses. They have a character mm-hmm. of the eyewitnesses. They didn't have anything to gain That's right. by claiming that Jesus raised from the dead. In fact, they gave it all up. Mm-hmm. They quit their jobs. Right. Peter had a lucrative fishing business with his father and James and John. He gave that all up to follow Christ. He lost it all. There were many, many, numerous eyewitnesses. It wasn't just one or two. These are real facts that they personally witnessed. They saw it happen. All the eyewitnesses are in agreement. They testified in Jerusalem where it happened. It was less than, it was seven weeks later that Peter publicly in Jerusalem, in the temple, in front of the high priest, gave his testimony. It wasn't in a distant place, but it was in the temple, in the synagogues, before the rabbis and the doctors of the law, before the high priest, and later all throughout the Roman court system. This was testified. We have the eyewitnesses, the angels, said he is risen. Mary Magdalene saw the risen Lord and testified of it. She was the first evangelist. The women went and told his brothers that he would see them in Galilee. The apostles, they saw him. Thomas put his hand in his side. He put his finger in the nail prints. That then we have the books of all the apostles that they wrote, claiming that Jesus rose from the dead. We have the changed lives of the apostles. How do you account for the fact that in just three days, Mm -hmm. they were changed from being cowering, Mm -hmm. fearful, Mm -hmm. turning tail and running, to being bold and not shutting up when they were required to shut up and not tell about the resurrection anymore. They wouldn't do it because it was true. It was burning in them. They were hopeless changed to full of hope. Mm -hmm. They were 
doubting and didn't believe. And now they're so certain that this happened that they will die for it. It was known that they were not educated, not according to the Jewish synagogue system. But yet it had taken note of that they had been with Jesus and they spoke boldly and no one could refute them. They staked their lives on that fact. They constantly taught and believed in the resurrection. I believe based on their eyewitness account. I believe based on the account that God the Father has of his Son. And we have the church in its existence. Now it's been corrupted in so many ways. But how do you how do you account for two thousand years of people dying because they believed that Jesus raised from the dead? This is not based on myths and legends. We have Second Peter. The Apostle Peter himself said in verse Second Peter one sixteen, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. As further proof, if I had more time, I would declare to you the change of the life of the Apostle Paul. I'd declare to you the account of the gospel records. I'd declare to you, and this is perhaps the most important proof, the proof I have in myself, the proof that you have. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was raised from the dead, you have been set free from your sins. Amen. You don't have the fear of death anymore. You've been set free from Satan and his kingdom. Amen. We have the forgiveness of sins. We have been accepted by God. Yes. We have the Holy Spirit in us testifying. We have the witness in ourselves. That's right. And that's the most important yes. witness. And if you do not have this witness in yourself, you can get it. Mm. If you believe in your heart that right. God is raised from the dead, you shall be saved. I believe I'll have to finish at this time, but uh, this is a great topic, and uh, yes. anyone has any questions, ask any one of us here in this building, yeah. but I urge you to read yeah. the accounts of Jesus' resurrection. Everything in the Christian faith is based on the fact that he raised from the dead. Yeah. Our forgiveness of sins, our justification, mm -hmm. our right standing with God, mm -hmm. everything is, hinges on Jesus mm -hmm. being the Son of God crucified, taking our sins upon himself, yes. being buried in the tomb, and raised again for our justification. Amen. And I'm glad to account the fact that I am a witness of the resurrection, yes. although I've not seen him personally, mm -hmm. I believe the account that God has of his son. Amen. Thank you very much.